Good morning, church. How's everybody today? All right, you glad you came to church today? Say amen. Good, good. North Star's a place where everybody's welcome. Nobody is perfect and anything is possible. Even getting better at saying that. North Star's a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and you got it, you got it. We exist as a church so that those that are far from God will draw near to him through the power of Jesus Christ. You may be at our services today, and you may be far from God. You may think that everything's okay. You may think that you're living a pretty good life, but you don't know God. And so we exist as a church so that those that are far from God will draw near to him through the power of Jesus Christ. We're real people at a relevant church that, that are connecting people. It's all about connecting. Connecting people to a growing relationship with Christ and each other in order to fulfill their life purpose. God has a destiny for you. He has a purpose for you. And we are here to help you discover what that is. Uh, I hope that you come today expecting God to speak to you, expecting God to bless you. We welcome those that are joining us online today. And we just went live at our Tupelo campus. Make some noise for those guys over there. Amen. I just want to say we have, I'm at both campuses from time to time, and we have such a great group of volunteers church-wide at Tupelo campus and at Saltillo campus, and I'm so thankful to be a part of a church like this that loves people, that loves God, and I'm glad that you came today. I'm glad to be back. Now, some of you are thinking, you know, you don't have to clap on that. I mean, if you're going to clap, do the real thing, all right? Uh, some of you didn't even know I was gone. I was gone, and uh, we had some tremendous preaching while I was gone. Andrew, campus pastor at Tupelo, preached, and Tanner Brown preached over there, student pastor at Tupelo, and then Troy, campus pastor at Saltillo, and Wesley, student pastor at Saltillo. All, I've listened to all four of those messages, and they did such a tremendous job. Give God a praise clap for them. We, uh, I want to say a couple of things before we get into the message today. Uh, first of all, uh, we have something at North Star. This may be new to you, or if you're new to North Star, you may uh, not be familiar with it. But it's called Faith Commitment Giving. Say that with me. Faith Commitment Giving. Say it together. Faith Commitment Giving. We believe in giving our tithes and our offerings to the Lord. And we do that on a regular basis, whether it's uh, in the buckets or uh, when they're passed or if you bring it down. Sometimes people bring it down and put it in the buckets. And then you can text to give. There's all kinds of ways to give. Online giving, the kiosk is a way to give. But we also have something called faith commitment. And that is giving above and beyond of your regular tithes and offerings. And uh, last year was our first year to do faith commitment and we like met our budget by August. I mean it was pretty incredible. We had over 20 different areas of ministry and missions that we supported and uh, this year we have over 30. 
For example, we've added to that um, day one, which is a new jail ministry for women for their first day out. Uh, we are supporting A21, which is uh, uh, sex trafficking, IJM, International Justice Mission, which is the legal side of sex trafficking, Hope Reigns, and we support all kinds of things like uh, uh, First Choice, um, the homeless, safe house, and uh, I'm so thankful for how God has, has blessed. And I'll just challenge you right now. I just want to challenge you to give faithfully to faith commitment giving, okay? Because you are making a difference. Now, last year, one of the things that we gave to or gave towards at, in faith commitment giving was a tricycle, a tricycle. And uh, I just want to show you a picture of it. Uh, it, it has been bought, built, bought, and paid for. This is a picture of a tricycle. We had a ribbon cutting. This is like one of the main modes of transportation in the Philippines. And we gave this one to Pastor Ray. And our children's ministry, church-wide, is going to be doing another one for Pastor Limwell. But this is it. This is like the side view. And uh, what you're about to see is a pitiful view. And uh, that's me. I, like, I fill the thing up. I've I've seen 14 Filipinos on one of these, but not 14 Terry Ledbetters. And if you'll notice the zoom in on the mud flaps, it says North Star. And uh, Pastor Ray is, is planting, and we helped with that while we were there, North Star Church in Himamila, Negros, Philippines. So we're excited about that. I'm excited that faith commitment was so blessed by the Lord that we were able to provide this tricycle, he's picking people up for church. Ray actually pastors two churches, Agape Baptist Church and North Star Church. And so we hope, we believe that this tricycle is really going to do a great help in his ministry. All right. We are beginning a brand new series starting next week. You don't want to miss it. It is the book of Ephesians. Be reading the book of Ephesians, would you? It's just a few chapters but I guarantee you, as we go verse by verse through the book of Ephesians, that you're going to be blessed. We're going to be talking about two things, healthy doctrine and healthy disciples. How many know how important it is to have healthy doctrine and healthy disciples? All right, so we're going to be looking at that over the next several weeks. All right, once again, are you glad you came to church? We're in a series. This is the final week. We had, it's like a mini-series. We had three uh, messages. Uh, two of them happened while I was gone, and I am doing cleanup. I'm bringing the last one, and uh, my name's Terry, in case you, uh, I didn't tell you that earlier. And the key verse for our series has been 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 and 25. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 and 25. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. He says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Say that with me. Strict training. They do, not, they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Now, the Apostle Paul was writing that to the church at Corinth. Uh, and we're going to be talking today 
about running to win. A lot of times runners run the Christian race, but they're not running to win. They're not in it to win it. I want want to challenge you today at whatever lap you are on in your Christian race, be in it to win it. We've got this misconception that uh, after a person gets saved, after a person's born again, after a person says yes to Jesus Christ, and that that's, a, that's all there is. You know, we're forgiven, <coughs> we're going to go to heaven. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm forgiven, I'm going to go to heaven because I've been saved, I've given my life to Christ, I've put my trust in Him, and I'm going to heaven, I can't wait to go to heaven. It's just that I don't want to go today. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to heaven I'm just not ready to get on the bus right now. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to heaven. So Jesus addressed that. That's biblical. Jesus addressed that when he said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Life to the full, one translation says. And so when you give your heart to Christ, look, man, it's not over. That's not all there is. That's all there is to salvation, but there is a sanctification that takes place, and Jesus wants a little bit of heaven to be a part of our lives right here while we're on earth. I'm, I'm thinking sometimes people have missed that, and they, they're miserable Christians. So how do you, how do you, how are you a miserable Christian? Well, there's a few in the house today, I guarantee you. They're miserable. They think that Christianity is a bunch of rules of do's and don'ts. Listen, Christianity is a relationship with Jesus Christ that brings happiness and fulfillment and prosperity and destiny to our lives. Okay, I told the Filipinos when I was preaching to them, I said, I tell my church this sometimes, and when, when people are not amening and like getting into the sermon, I'm thinking they ain't getting it. And so subconsciously, I just talk on and on and on. But now when I feel it, when I, when I feel like somebody's like, come to church, all right, and they, they're getting it, sermons are a lot shorter, I promise you. Amen. How many of you are ready to go eat lunch? Amen? All right. Paul said in, in, in the book of Acts, he said, I only know, this is chapter 20, verse 23. He says, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of Jesus Christ. He said, I consider myself, my life worth nothing, only to finish the race. And I wanted to talk to you today about finishing the race. The the Christian life is a race. And I want to talk to you today about being in it to win it and finishing, and finishing not only the race, but finishing well. Some of us have been on the, in the race, on the laps, and we've stumbled. We've had difficulties, or we get off track. And I want to encourage you is to get back up, stay in the race, and finish well. Now, the passage that we're about to read, this is our text, in 2 Timothy, chapter 4, uh, in, chapter, in the 1 Timothy, Paul was writing from a Roman jail cell, from a Roman prison. 
In chapter 1, he's writing to Timothy. And in chapter 2, this is six years later, that he writes this second letter. And in, in 2 Timothy, his tone has changed. He knows the end is near. And he knows that he's lived his life faced with hardships and faced with difficulties, but he knows his life is coming to an end. And the race that he has been on is about over. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Will you be able to say that I fought the good fight? That I finished the race? That I've been faithful to the Lord? I pray that God, as I prepared for this message and prepared to bring it to you, I prayed and I pray today that God would so touch people's hearts that they would get back in the race, that they would get back on the track and do the laps and finish the race. Be in it to win it. He says, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So, Pastor, you talk about God's destiny for your life, his purpose for your life. I don't know what you're saying. What is his purpose? What is his destiny? I know this. Your destiny is not a mystery. Your destiny is not a mystery. God's not holding it back from you. God wants to reveal it to you. Your destiny is is the steps that you are taking today that will lead you into your tomorrow. I know that's not on the screen, but you should write that down. It is, your step, it is the steps that you are taking today that will lead you into your tomorrow. Your destiny is not a mystery. It, the decisions that you make today will determine your destiny. Would you write that down? The decisions that you make today will determine your destiny. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Did everything go smooth for Paul? No. In fact, the first half of his life was filled with evil. Paul met Christ on the road going to Damascus. And this is what I know. I I know that you're your history does not define you. I know that the first part of your life does not necessarily determine the second part of your life. Did you, did you get that? You say, Pastor, you, you don't, still don't know where I've been. <laughs> you don't know the life that I've lived. You don't know the things that I have done. I'm telling you, and listen carefully, the first part of your life, maybe not the first half, or, or, or the first half, does not determine the second half necessarily. Paul was a, a persecutor of Christians. For crying out loud, he killed Christians. But then he met Christ, 
He gave his heart to Christ, and Christ transformed him. He put him on that race, in the Christian race, and Paul ran it faithfully. He said, I have kept the faith. You may say, Pastor, so, so what does that look like? If we could ask Paul, like we could, we could like bring him up here and say, hey, Paul, what's up? What really matters? What really matters in life? You're at the end of your, your journey. You're at the end of the race. What made the difference? What mattered in life? Paul would say, number one, determination matters. Paul would say, I was determined to finish the race. I was determined to stick with it. When I would fall, I got back up. Remember, he called himself the chief of sinners. He said, when I struggled, when I had lack of faith, I got back up. I got back into his hand. I was never lost from God, but oftentimes I got lost in the race. And he said, I was determined to finish. Are you determined to finish the race? The race that God has you on, the Christian life. Are you determined to stick with it? He said, well, sometimes I feel like giving up. Well, this is what I know. We are not made to give up. We are made to get up. I can't tell you how many times that I've fallen, that I've gotten off track, that I've not been successful, that I've not been what God wanted me to be. But you know something? I didn't give up. I got up. We're not made to give up. We're made to get back up. There's sometimes that we run a race, and uh, I think it's important to understand that, that uh, this truth, and that is that like at death, at death, we're not concerned if you're on your deathbed we're not concerned about if we have, still have dirty dishes. I know some of you OCD people, okay, on your deathbed, you'll be, no, you won't. You just think you will. Because at death, it's not going to matter, did we mow the yard, did we wash the dishes, are there dirty clothes? What are they going to think if they come to my house, I'm dying, I'm dead. You're not worried about that, trust me. The only thing, I've never held someone's hand at the time of death, and I've held many hands as they were about to die and died. I've never heard anybody say, oh, my house is a mess. They were always concerned about their relationship with their family and their relationship with God. If you were dead, I know that I'm not going to stay on the dead thing very long, but let's just say you were dead and like laid out. That's country for you're dead and you're in the casket and you're at the funeral home. You with me so far? When somebody comes over to you, you don't know you're dead. What do you want them to say about you? He was a good fisherman, a good hunter. No. Don't you want people to be able to say about you, he was a man of integrity. She was a woman of character. She was a good mom. 
He loved God with all of his heart. You want people to know about you that you ran the race and you finished well. Paul said, I am determined. That's not always easy. Every marathon runner, um, when they run the race, they focus. And they focus on the finish line. Back when I was running, my doctor told me that I couldn't run anymore. Yeah, right. I'm going to show him one day. Um, because of my hip. Uh, back when I was running, uh, I was training. Marla and I did three half marathons and a bunch of other little races and stuff. And when I was training... Um, from my house, from the top of my driveway to Starbucks on West Main in Tupelo. You with me? Amen to coffee. Amen? Okay. It was seven miles. Now, I, when I was training for the, for the St. Jude, uh, and look, I heard all of the other past, pastor's stories because I listened to their messages. They ain't got one like this one. As I was training, I... Uh, I would run a, a 10K like on Tuesday and Thursday, and then I would run, I would increase because I was working my way up on Saturday. So I'd get up early in the morning, and I would set out. And my focus was on Starbucks, not to get coffee. Believe me, many times that I reached that place thinking, I think I'm going to take a break. But I didn't because I knew when I got to Starbucks, I had two Focus, uh, things focused in my mind. One is to get to Starbucks, and the other one was to get back home without them calling the ambulance. You know what I'm saying? And so my focus was always, I, and I'm not like these other runners that train in the park. You know, I'm, I'm ADD on steroids, and I can't run in circles. I, it drives me crazy. I tried to do it one time. It just doesn't work. So I would head out seven miles to Starbucks, turn around, and I had in my mind, my focus was on the driveway, the top of my driveway. And every marathon runner focuses on the finish line, focuses on where they're headed, and they have a determination. Paul writes in, in the book of Romans, and he says in chapter 8, verse 11, he says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, listen to this, if Jesus, if, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus, somebody say amen, Jesus didn't stay in the tomb, he was raised from the dead. If the spirit of him who raised him from the dead is living in you, guess what? He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. There have been times when I was training for that, those races, and when I was in the Himalayas, we hiked on mission, we hiked, and if you're getting in your mind, just like a hike in the park, uh, look, that's not what this was. We had 50-pound backpacks, and we, we started at 6,000 feet. We did 1,000 meters a day and vertical meters a day. and The highest we ever got was 15,000. And there was this one guy with me. He was our, our missionary on this particular trip. And we're hiking. 
and he's in good shape. I trained forever. That's another whole story. But I was so not in shape, even though I thought I was. This guy was like a goat. Really? He just climbed up. And, you know, the air is getting thin. Hey, T, are you okay? I said, yeah. There were times, literally, when training for St. Jude and when the three times that I, I hiked the Himalayas, there were times that I did not think that I could put another foot in front of the other foot. There were times that I really wanted to give up. There were times that I thought, well, I can't make it. And I needed something to get me when we ran. Uh, I think it's called Power Gel. That sounds like a, a hair product. But anyway, it was this little pack of gel stuff. My wife couldn't stand it, which I like that because I got to eat them all. And it gives you a burst of energy. And when you run the St. Jude periodically or, or spaced out throughout the race, there are places where you can run by and get some. And I was raised with a survival mentality. I had two or three in my pocket, and I picked up one anyway. And it gave me a, a burst of energy. In this series, we've talked about uh, running the race and how we need to get in the race and stay in the race and team up and get up and all sorts of things. Here's another one. This is what I know. And that is that winners in a race power up so they can power through. And so I would take the gel, just as I was thinking, I don't know that I can go another mile. <laughs> Throw it down on the ground. And I could go a little farther. Times when we were in the Himalayas, I was thinking, I don't know if I can, I can go much farther, but... I would take out a power bar or something and I was able to go a little farther. Winners power up with the Holy Spirit so they can power through the times that you want to quit, the times that you feel like you're a failure, the times that you feel like you're not going to make it. Power up. Winners power up so they can power through. Paul? Yeah. What, what really matters? Determination matters. But then he would tell us direction matters. Direction. I, I'm not going to ask for a, 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 a raise of hands today with this question at either of our campuses, but some of you directionally challenged. I'm serious. Some of you don't, don't, don't expose yourself, but some of you get lost using the GPS. You're directionally challenged. Jesus loves you. It's okay. <laughs> if I were to tell you, look, I want to tell you how to get to Memphis. I would say, get on 45, go up to 22, which used to be 78, and, uh, and go 22 west. You'll make it to Memphis. And you get up there and you say, I think I'm going to go 22 east. 
You're not going to make it to Memphis. You're going to Birmingham. So, well, I'll just get there from there. Look, Memphis is that way. Birmingham is that way. If you get on 22 East, you ain't going to the, to the, the home of Elvis Presley. You feel me? You're going somewhere else. And you know what? That's the way it is with a lot of Christians. We get instructions on how to go and where to go, but we don't make it there because this is what I know. Your direction, not your intentions, determines your destination. Uh, somebody needs to be writing that down or I'm going to keep going all day long. All right, listen. Your direction, not your intentions, determines your destination. You, let me give you some examples. You may intend to do right, and then this is Sunday, you get motivated, there's momentum flowing, and you may have good intentions when you leave the house on Sunday, the church on Sunday, but then Monday comes, and all of that has gone down the drain, you, you're back off track, you stumbled again, because your direction is not right. Okay, I feel like I'm not getting through. Look, you may want to be financially free, but if you, if you decide to go, God forbid, to the mall with maxed out credit cards, listen, you're not going to get financially free that way. So, oh, God has spoken to me, and I believe that God wants me to have a, a godly mate. Yeah, and then two weeks later, you're dating an unbeliever. Oh, listen, something's messed up. He said, I'm going to try to start doing better. Warning. I'm going to start hanging around the right kind of crowd. You know the crowd I hang around, they, they cuss a lot, and they drink a lot, and they talk a lot, and mess around a lot. I'm just, I don't want that anymore for my life. I want to follow Jesus. I want my kids to see Jesus in me. And then you get a text, there's a party this weekend, and doggone it, you go to it. You may have good intentions, but it's, your, it's the direction that you're headed that's going to determine your destination. Y'all receiving this today? So I'm going to start, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Uh, some of you need to turn over a new tree. Amen. I'm going to start going to church. I'm going to get regular in church. I'm going to get in a small group because I, I intend to, to, to grow in the Lord. I intend to get better. And then you have to work next weekend. You're sick the next weekend. And then you're out of town the next weekend. And you realize before you know it, you've missed three weeks. Will missing church send you to hell? No. But if you know Christ, you'll fall in love with his church, and you'll want as much as a, of it as you can get. So, all right, see, so, all right, so, <clears throat> how? How can I do that? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not in your own understanding, your intentions. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, 
Submit to him. King James says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Submit to him, and he will make your path straight. You're on the, the race in the Christian life. Trust the Lord. When you don't think you can keep going, trust the Lord. Be determined. Go the right direction. Hey, Paul, give us another one, because this sermon's about over. Well, determination matters. He's writing from a jail cell. He's talking to us through the, the bars. The direction of your life matters. But, but Paul would say this. He would say doctrine matters. I hear people say, I just want to, I, I hear some people say, I don't believe in going to church. But I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. Something's not right about you. I just believe in going here and there and getting a little bit here and getting a little bit there. You suit yourself. We would like to have you here every week. But if you're going to go somewhere, just go and go and go. Keep going and keep going and be faithful. Dig in and plug in. But doctrine matters. Now, if you say, use the word doctrine in a broad sense, broad, it's the teachings of someone. Uh, his doctrine is... But Christian doctrine in the New Testament is the teachings of Jesus. The teachings of Jesus. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Doctrine. Truth. 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is God-breathed. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We need it. We need the Word of God. Amen? Now, that's the NIV. Let, Let me read you the New Living Translation. It says, All Scripture is inspired by God and it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong. You hear, you hear what he's saying? The Word of God teaches us what's right. Oh, but if I could just get on track, if I could just run the race like you're talking about, like you're talking like it's a fantasy land or something. I began this message by saying your destiny is not a mystery. Get into the Word of God because it shows us what's right and it shows us what's wrong in our life. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Doctrine. I often say this, get into the Word let the Word get into you. If you're not reading the Bible, if you're not listening to it, if you're not coming to church on a regular basis, you're going to be struggling in the race. And you're going to need to power up and power up and power up. In fact, some of you need to get powered up today. You need to get right today. You need to get on track today. Paul says doctrine, truth matters. You know, the one of the most quoted scriptures in the Bible. And the truth shall, say it out loud, 
Say it out loud at both campuses. And the truth shall. But there's a word in there that even the unbelievers, by the way, unbelievers quote that verse. And the truth shall set you free. But there's a word in there that says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Verse 32 says, then, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Truth's not going to set you free until the word then. When's then? When is then? He says it in the, in the previous verse. He says, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Pastor, are you saying if I don't do what the Bible says to do, that I'm not one of his disciples? I can't speak. I don't know if you're one of his disciples. He says, Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruit. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. If you hold to my teaching, that doesn't mean you're perfect. That doesn't mean you, you don't stumble and fall. That doesn't mean you try to run in somebody else's lane. But Jesus said it very plainly. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then the truth will set you free. You see, the teachings of Jesus, this is what I know, the teachings of Jesus are not to hold you back. Christianity is not a, a bunch of rules of do's and don'ts. The teachings of Jesus are not to hold you back, but to free you up to live life to the fullest. That's what the teachings of Jesus are. Not to hold you back, but to set you free so you can live up to your potential, so you can live life to the fullest. And here's one more I want you to write down. <clears throat> Every race is won one step at a time. If you're just standing here, hmm, spectating, giving you money, maybe possibly singing a song, but you're just standing here. Next week, it's like magic. <laughs> you're still standing. But the race that we're on is one, one step at a time. It's moving forward. It's not standing still. It's moving forward. It's not going backwards. It's, it's moving forward. I don't know where you need to be personally but I do know this God wants you moving forward for some of you today it's saying God help me to move forward God help me to stay in the race to be in it to win it and I follow you today and all God's people said did you receive this today say amen Father thank you for today thank you for the word how it teaches us to become who you purposed us to become. If you realize today for the first time that you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity right now. 
just to say yes to Christ. Just say this from your heart. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and he rose from the grave. I repent of my sins. I turn away from my sins and I turn to Jesus right now. Come live in my heart. I put my trust in you. And I thank you. Maybe your prayer today is, as a believer, God help me to stay faithful, to stay in the race, to get back up. God help me to stop using every excuse on planet earth not to become who I'm supposed to become. And God help me to lay it down today before you. At both of our campuses, I want to pray for every person. So please stand with me. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for um, how you've met us here today. Thank you, God, that no matter who we are, what our backgrounds are, God, that you care about us. And you want, us to, you want to see us run the race and finish the course. And so, God, today I pray for strength. I pray for people to power up. Pray, pray for people to endure to be determined, to go the right direction, to get into the truth of God. So God, today I pray for that to happen. And I pray for you to minister to hearts in this place today. Lord, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name.